I'm not even going to change the atmosphere for introductions. I'm just going to hand it off. Brother Maddox. People ask me, why are you a missionary? Because I found out how great he is. I found out how great he is. Monrovia, Liberia. 2,000, 2,500 people under the tent. When that little 17-year-old girl who had been born blind began to scream, I can see, I can see. I found out how great he is. And they said, you're going to Bunga to preach a crusade. And I said, I read in the Mountain Mover magazine that they beat up Assembly of God preachers. Stripped Brother David, one of the pastors, naked and put a chain around his neck. Led him through the town and village to humiliate him. He told me, he said, Brother Roger, I couldn't see out of either eye. For four days, they beat me. I said, Brother David, where are you preaching at now? He said, I'm preaching in the same place. I'm not leaving. The first night of the crusade, 1,000, not one, 1,000 people got saved. I was with an old missionary by the name of Benny Tipton. He uh, probably any missionary that's ever had miracles, Benny's probably had as many miracles in his crusades as anybody. Nobody knows his name, but Africa does. And the devil sure knew him. He said, Brother Roger, I was in prayer and the devil said, or God said, the devil's had his day, now I'm going to have my day. The man that ran the generator, he, he traded the diesel for whiskey. So we didn't have no power to have our crusade that night. You got 3,000 whatever people and you got no lights, no PA equipment. So they brought out a little generator and run a cord. And I'm preaching away and it's dark all of a sudden. Because one of those same old boys that had been beaten up 
cut the cord to the generator. I'm up there preaching away, and, and you know, you don't see those people in the dark. Just a fact. I heard Benny holler, keep preaching. So I just kept preaching. I knew they was there. Just couldn't see them. I don't know how many dozen was filled. The heights, they, all of a sudden they put candles. They had built a little, just a little deal over the podium that they had made out of some old rough two-by-fours. So you don't have to have nothing fancy for God to come. When it's in spirit and in truth. Dozens filled. I don't know how many hundreds saved that night. Dozens filled with the Holy Ghost. But all of a sudden they had candles stuck all the way around that so those people could see me. And I just yelled, I've got a pretty good built-in system here. And then they had a touch light. Anybody know what a touch light is? That's a flashlight. Because you can touch it and it'll shine. They call it a touch light. And they wired it back together and the lights come back on. Didn't damper the Holy Spirit at all. See, when, when you know how great he is, you can't just drop by on Sunday morning for an hour and a half or whatever and then go back and do what you want to do and live the way you want to live. You can't do it. You know what's going to happen in heaven? I, I just, every once in a while, I try to get a video of people is going to walk up to you and say, you don't know me, but your pastor brought money to Africa, and he and Brother Maddox built a church, and I got saved in that church. Mamas and daddies are going to come up and say, you know what? I took my kids to that tent crusade that you helped sponsor. And then we attended that church that you built, the building. And all my kids are in heaven. This is my oldest. This is my middle. This is the next one. This is. Did y'all feel what I just felt going down over me? Can you imagine that? Talk about rewards. Now they said we're not going to cry, but I think I'll cry about that time. I don't know. Somebody asked me how, in fact, Africa, they'll say, why, why would you leave America? You have everything there. And, you know, that's their dream. They think we do. But, and we are compared to them. We're, we're greatly blessed. Why would you do that? And why would you come here? So I pondered that question. I found out the answer one day. You know what I said to him? If you could leave there and come here, I can leave here and go there. Oh, yeah. 
I should travel with a chiropractor over there. Because the roads, you're, you're, I mean, you, you go and you're, it torques you to ride in the vehicle up on those roads. And I told, I asked Adam every once in a while, my African son, JR's twin brother. Yeah. Let me tell you, those two together are, y'all pray for me. When, they, when those two get over there together. But I say, Adam, can you tell me why I love this? Now, I got some war stories. And they set my stew in front of me one day at the Four Roses Hotel in Kumasi. I didn't know what was down in the soup, but I seen what was on the top. Two dozen bugs floating. They were dead. That's good. They were dead. And I thought, Lord, I don't know if I can pray over this enough to eat it. And I took my spoon and I scraped those off. And I said, Lord... If they don't come to the top today, they're protein. And I eat my stew. I stayed in hotels where they said they had electric. Well, they did, about four hours out of 24. I've caught my water at 7 o'clock in the morning because the only time there would be water pressure enough to fill my bucket so that I could reach with a wash rag in that bucket and take my bath. I said, that bother you? Didn't bother me one bit. So don't you ever feel sorry for me. One day at McDonald's, I got to lead a man to the Lord. I said, Lord, where do you want me to eat breakfast? And he said, McDonald's. And I said, let's negotiate. I like Cracker Barrel. He said, now go to McDonald's. And I found out why. Because there was a man coming. I didn't know it. But he knew it. And he said, hi, Brother Maddox. And I didn't know who he was. Grabbed him by the hand. I said, where do you go to church? And he started weeping. He said, I don't go to church. And he got saved in McDonald's. Now, if God can save people in McDonald's, you can get saved anywhere. Christian Isando was in a dance. He was at a dance. He said, when I was young, Brother Roger, I like two things, alcohol and the ladies. And he said, I, about midnight, I was dancing at the party and drinking. And he said, something said to me, get out of here. And he said, I didn't know nothing about God. So he said, I knew, and so he said, I walked outside. And the Holy Ghost said, but he didn't know who it was. He, he said, Something said to me, go to the man. Now, a man had been praying for Chris to get saved. 
And he had told Chris, I'm praying for you. And Chris said, I don't need your prayers. Don't want your prayers. You leave me alone. I'm doing fine without you and your prayers. Just you leave me alone. And he talked to him pretty rough, he said. And when that voice said, you need to go talk to the man. And he said, I talked horrible to him. I can't go to him. He said, by the time I got to his house, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And he said, I knocked on the door. And the man said, come in, Chris. Chris walked in and he said, how did you know it was me? He said, I started to bed about 11 o'clock. And the Lord said, don't go to bed. Pray. Chris is coming. Christian Asando was the first man we helped go to Bible school. Yeah, yeah, Chris, is, yeah, he, he's been here to speak for you. Was the superintendent over 300 churches. President of the Pentecostal Charismatic Conference in Central Region. Many other titles, superintendent over whatever. And pastors of church of a thousand. We built him a tabernacle. Now they have a seat building that will seat 1,000, and they've helped us do five other churches. And I don't know how many preachers has come out of that church. Pretty good investment. I, I thought, wow, that's, last year we helped about 150 pastors go. I don't keep good records. I know the Lord does, and that's good enough for me. Somewhere 13, 14, 1500 of preachers are preaching the gospel in Africa because you've given our offerings. One day your pastor was there and you dropped five or six thousand. I was there two months later and dropped another six thousand to pay school fees for preachers to go to Bible school. What kind of impact is that? Now, I was sitting here and watching you worship and worshiping with you, and I thought to myself, I've got to pack all this in. I, I feel like a football team with a Volkswagen bug, and, everybody's, and they're saying, get in. How am I going to get all this in? You know, I read about a revival some time back that the 8 o'clock service started, and it didn't end. And the 1030 group came, and they just parked wherever in the grass and where else and tried to get in the building, but the 8 o'clock crowd was still there, and they squeezed in. And there was people laying in the floor. There was people weeping. And at 4 o'clock that afternoon, parking lot was still full. The church was still full. Wouldn't you like to have one of those services? Hey, what, you know what happened in a Southern Baptist church? A man got up and said, hey, I've been living in sin. And I'm confessing and I'm getting my heart right with God and I'm inviting you to do the same. You know what, when that service ended? 72 hours later. People left the building, went and got family and brought them back, went and got friends and brought them back. 
And for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, no preaching. Somebody would sing. And people kept coming and getting saved. I think they could have it at MAG. People calling in, hey, I, I, I can't come to church today. You sick? No. No, I'm in church. My sweetheart's with me. 56 years. She's been through, what, seven or eight tribulation periods. But I want to tell you, I wouldn't be or do anything. If I've ever accomplished it, most of the reward goes to this lady. Did you give her a hand? My sweetheart. Hey, hey, just... I'm just going to kind of capsize what I wanted to share with you this morning, all right? So this is about his kingdom, building his kingdom. So it doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter, it's, just, it's his kingdom. We, you know, Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom. He even talked more about the kingdom than he did the church. And what I want to talk to you today about, and, 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 and just, just a couple of things, but the story of glory. Or we could say the glory of the story. To the alcoholic, here's your answer. To the drug addict, to the prostitute, to the liar, To the politician, yeah, here's, your, here's your answer. To the preacher, to the, to the backslidden church, here's your answer. The story of the glory of Jesus Christ. When you know how great he is, and, and, and you, were, you were touching on my message, but see, the Bible contains timeless treasures. They don't ever go out of date. This is God's living, spoken word. This book will bless you. This book will change you. It will inspire you. It will challenge you. It will encourage you. It'll stretch you. It'll show you what you really are and what you ought to be. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you a better husband. It'll make you a better wife. It'll make you... A better father, a better mother, a better friend, a, brother, a better neighbor. They were loading my neighbor in, in the car, and I was sitting on the, my porch. I like a recliner on my porch. I'm a redneck, okay? And yeah, I got a couple of pistols with me. And the Lord said, you go to Africa, will you not walk across your yard? 
And I said, yes, I will. I went on and prayed for John that 9 o'clock that night he died. One day I was backing out of my drive, headed to sectional council. They're going to elect the presbyter. I'd been getting phone calls. Brother Max, will you serve? I said, you pray. I'll do whatever God asks me. But I thought if I'm going to be voted on, if they're going to nominate me, I want to get there in time to at least smile and shake a couple of hands. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to go to Bucks. I said, Lord, I've lived next door to Buck for eight years, and you've never told me to go over there. I'll go when I get back from this meeting. He said, no, I need you to go. I walked over and knocked on Buck's door. He opened the door, and I seen tears in his eyes, and he said, wow, preacher, that's what he always called me, preacher, it's amazing you come today. And he pushed the door open, and he turned to the coffee table, and he said, that book lays on the coffee table all the time. And I never bothered or touch it. But this morning, I thought, I'm going to read it. And when I got to reading it, something started happening in here, and I thought, if somebody would come and help me understand what's going on here. And here you are. Come on in here, preacher. Let me fast forward. Buck got saved at his sofa in his living room. About that time, Darlene walked in, his wife. I looked up, she said, hi, preacher. I said, Darlene, you need Jesus Christ. Buck just getting saved. Darlene starts bawling. I didn't give an altar call or a sermon. I just said, you need... Buck and Darlene got saved. It, went, it happened at Buster and Wanda Waters' house. I went there, Wanda was sick. Now, Wanda was one of these peculiar people. She didn't like people, and I, I are one. She don't like preachers, and I are one, and she didn't like Pentecostal preachers, for sure. And I are all, I, I'm in all of that. And she pulls the little curtain on the little window back on the door, sees it's me, and, and a lot of times she'd just turn around and I'd have to leave. But that day she opened the door and she said, come in, preacher. Let me fast forward. Buster came in, her husband. I said, I come to pray for you, Wanda. What's wrong with you? I'm sitting in the chair and I said, Lord, what do I say? And the Lord said, quote this scripture to him. So I did. I said, okay, now. He said, quote this scripture to him. And he said, all right. I said, what do I do now? And he said, stand up. And say, Buster, Wanda, it's prayer time. Now here's two people. He's a, he's a, every night he comes in from work and gets drunk. Goes to bed. He'll bother nobody. Drinks his liquor, goes to bed. Sleeps it off and gets up the next day and goes to work with a hangover. He does it every day. Now Saturday and Sunday, he's, he's pretty much soused all Saturday and Sunday. And I'm in his house saying, it's all true. They kneeled down at their soul. I mean, I didn't have to preach. Or I quoted two scriptures. They both started bawling and squalling, hit their knees at their sofa, and got saved. I found out in John chapter 4, verse 35, that the harvest is ripe. We just need some people who'll go out into the harvest. One day they're driving me through to check on one of our churches that we were building. And we went through a village and about 20 people, you know, it's just one little path through. 
and, and somebody over here seen the old Bruni in the car and they hollered, oh Bruni. So here come about 20 people to run up and look in the car and see the white man. That's old Bruni. And I thought, that's kind of unique. That's neat. I mean, they'd come out to see me. Not me. I mean, just because I'm a white man in their village. That's... And I said to the driver, turn this thing around. He said, Reverend, sir, you want me to turn around? I, well, that's what I said. Well, but Reverend, sir, why are we turning around? I said, we're going back to that village. He said, Reverend, sir, why are we going back to that village? I said, because 20 people want to see a white man. I'm going to introduce them to a Jew. 35 got saved in that spontaneous service. Just got out of the car and people gathered around to see a, an old Bruni. I said, can I, can I have a service? And the chief said, yes. Started singing in their language, Da nasi, da nasi, da oyami. Nobody's going to help me. God is wonderful, he's great, and, and we need to tell it. 35, I mean, the harvest is ripe, it's ready. When you tell them the story of glory, you know the one amazing thing about this book, it'll bring you to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. God all three in one. This book don't just contain the Word, it is the Word. Now, I, I got a couple things down here. You see I'm fancy. I got one of these Office Depot notepads. I was in the office the other day and this started coming down. Here's what, let me just tell you. My point number one, in the beginning, God. They're still trying to figure out, was it a big bang? Was it, you know? I mean, see this watch I've got on? You've got to know the story. There was a tornado come through our town, and, and I found, and, and there was some junkyard and metal around, and, and this watch was there. I mean, that's how much sense that makes. Or there, there was, I, a tornado went through a junkyard and I got this new vehicle out. I, come on. In the beginning, God. Genesis, a Greek word, means origin, source, generations, beginning. The Hebrew word, bereth, in the beginning. In chapter 1, God is mentioned 37 times. No scientists, no politicians. Nobody there to say, well, we can't tell them what they are yet. I mean, folks, forgive me, but you can't get any stupider. Is, is that a word? Ignorter? Huh? You, I mean, I've, I've seen idiots, but that's an ignorter. Per, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. But I mean... And in Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28, God created man. And in Genesis 2 and 7, the Lord God formed man. 
from the dust of the ground. Can I tell you, you had a dirty start? Huh? You all started out pretty dirty. He, he created man. He, he made a body. But here's, here's the power part of verse 7. He says, and he breathed into his nostrils breath of life. You're alive because God breathed into your life. You see, Adam caught the breath of God and it's been passed on to billions of people since him. Now my question to you today is, what are you doing with his breath and life? See, without his breath in you, you'd be dead. You go back to dust. And so uh, this came to my, in my office. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm weeping, I'm saying, God, what is He said, I gave them my breath and I gave them life. Here's in my notes. Do you realize you're alive because God's breath is in you? It is His air you are breathing. It is His life that you're living. Without Him, you're dead. So I have to question you. What are you using the life He gave you for? So if he asks you to come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, he asks you to read your Bible. See, the, the prayer cards we gave you are prayer cards. They're Bible markers, because anybody who reads your Bible prays, right? And so when you, when you open your Bible, you're going to pray for Roger and Barbara Maddox and Oasis Ministries. What are you doing with your, with your life? I, I don't have time to preach Matthew 25, but I want to. Ten virgins, five foolish, five wise. They all were virgins. They all had lamps. And their lamps was all burning because they said, our lamp is going out, so we need some of your oil. Pastor said it a while ago. I can't sing your song. I can't repent for you. I can't put oil in you. I can preach to you. Your pastor can love you, preach the word of God to you. But you got to get your own oil. I need to say that again. You can. You got to get your own oil. They said our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil, Brandon. I love this. I mean, man, you made me want to worship. Brought tears to my eyes. If if you don't worship in here this morning, Lord help you. You're dead. Second Baptist in Dallas, a man died with a heart attack. They carried out 35 before they got the right man. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. What are you doing with your breath? What are you doing? Can, can I go on? Here's what I, I preached that day in Africa. Adam said, Daddy, this is a timely message. You need to preach it everywhere. When the, bride, when the message came, the bridegroom's coming, get ready to receive the bridegroom. And they didn't have oil in their lamps. Now you, you decide what, you're, what he's talking about here. And here's what I said to those Africans, please don't let your lamp go out. One of my preacher friends the other day, I, didn't, I hadn't seen it on his Facebook. And somebody said, hey, what's happened to this guy? And I said, I don't know. What's going on? Go to his Facebook. He's sitting around the fireplace smoking a cigar, telling dirty stuff. 
His lamp went out. Has your lamp gone out? And then in that Matthew 25, he said that he, the kingdom of heaven, we're talking kingdom stuff. In Matthew 25, he said, I, I, I gave this man five talents, I gave this man two, and this man one, and what happened? The man that had five, he went out and invested, and he made five more talents. And the Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on and get in here. And the man that had two, he said, I give it according to their ability. I know what they can do. I didn't require anything of them they couldn't do. So he gave that man two, and he said, hey, I took the two, I invested them, and I got two more. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Get in here. Ah, you're going to be used of God greatly. And then the man that had the one, this really amazed me. The man that had one, he said, I was afraid of you. I hid it. Here you get your talent. You get back what you gave me. And you know what God said to him? Or the, the leader come. He said, you slothful, lazy, wicked, put him out into outer darkness. If you don't use what God has given you for the kingdom and glory of God, he'll call you a lazy, slothful, wicked. I could have. You know, I go to churches, they don't have a piano player. They don't have a drummer. I've been in some that thought they did, but they didn't. But I'll go on. And there's people in that church in that town. What are you doing with what God's given you? God give you time. What do you do with it? God gives you life. What are you doing with it? How are you investing it? Oh, I gotta go. I'm gonna miss. Uh, now that's pastoral. Here, can I be a missionary? I, I went to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 23, and verse number 22. He said, "Do not gather or glean to pick the corners of your harvest. Leave it to the poor and to the stranger, to those who don't have a plot of land to grow their own food, and they have their own harvest. You leave the corners. Don't pick it." Leave it for them. And it's also, it's repeated, well, it's actually before that Luke, or Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. He said, don't pick the corners of your harvest field. Leave that and let the poor man come and pick it. The stranger that's traveling through, he don't have a farm he can harvest, but he's hungry. So give him something. I got a question for you. How big is, do I have your attention? Do I have your attention? How do I have your attention? All right, can let me ask you. How big is your corner? You know what somebody did the other day? A poor harmless person standing on the street. They drove up and handed them a giant pizza box. It was empty. And they drove off laughing, thought that was just really, really, really funny. That they gave them a giant pizza box. How big is your corner? What are you doing for the poor? What, what are, for those that don't have a Bible, are you doing anything to get them one? Those that don't have a church, are you doing anything? Those that don't have someone to love them, they don't have a mama, a daddy. That's why we support orphanages and help. Matthew 25 and 40, go back to chapter 25. 
inasmuch as you do it unto the least of these. He said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. You put shoes on my feet. You, you, you took care of me. You know those precious little children, they just want to be loved. Two ladies said, I want to go to Africa with you, Brother Maddox, and I, I just want to go to orphanage and hold those precious little babies. Within an hour, they were sitting in the car. You know why? Because those babies were dirty. You know why? Because those babies had runny noses with snot. No, I'm not supposed to say that. Barbara said, don't say that in the bullpen. Anyway, their nose wasn't clean. Don't even try to picture that, okay? Don't, don't put, try to put that in your picture in your... I'm, I said to Adam, I said, Adam, why are they in the car? They want to stay all day and pet the babies. They're ready to go to the hotel. I thought, wow. Is, are they too dirty for you to touch? And one day the Lord said, I want to show you something. I want to teach you something. I said, okay. He said, the little woman that pressed her way through the crowd, and I'm headed somewhere with this. She pressed her way through the crowd. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. He said she was socially unclean, sexually unclean, and spiritually unclean. But did you notice when she touched me, she, did, I didn't, she didn't make me unclean. I made her clean. See, you can't dirty him up. You can't mess him up. You can bring all of your garbage up here and dump it down, and he'll still be as pure and clean and sanctified as he's ever been. The difference will be is you'll leave pure. So I, I, before I leave this, I'm going to ask you, how big is your corner? How big is your corner? I got there at the orphanage the other day, and I told Pastor J.R. Their, their water bill was 8,072 Ghana. 8,720 Ghana. That's 850 bucks. We went and paid the water bill. Drilled them water well. Bought them food, toothbrush, toothpaste, hygiene. In as much as you do it. Because if you go on down to Matthew 25 and verse 45, they said, when, when did we see you? He said, when you did not do it for them, you did not do it for me. So we feed Jesus, we clothe Jesus, we medicate Jesus, we, we give him a toothpaste and toothbrush. How, a man the other day sold his farm, and he called me, and we went to lunch, and he said, I'm praying about something. I said, what are you praying? He said, when I get my money, I want to build five churches. Guess what? We just finished his fifth one. One lady said, I want to build a church. I said, that's wonderful. She said, but I don't have no money. So you know what she did on Sunday night? She prepared sandwiches and soup and got ladies in the church to help her. And you can have sandwiches and soup and fellowship and make a donation. She stood on the street corner at the state or the county fair and sold Krispy Kreme donuts and made $1,000. That woman got all of her neighbors and family to donate stuff and she had a yard sale and made 800. You know what? I was at that church the other day. They installed a new pastor. It'll seat 
400, and they're ready to start putting the balcony in. Because one woman said, I want to build, huh? Yeah, the church that she built, Ebenezer. Nana Kissman, they just installed him as the, he was, this is on video, I can't tell you, but Nana Kissman, I won't tell you about the first time I met him. It just wasn't pleasant, but he's the pastor now. Wow. He'll soon have his master's. Christian Asando is going to be Dr. Christian Asando. And I'm not even, how big is your corner? Do you have anything for those people out there that don't know God? Do you have anything for those that don't know where a church is at? I have to say thank you to this church because you, you've helped us, I think three now for sure, churches that you've helped us build, three or four. I looked for the pictures of the one that's down on the ocean. I, couldn't, I don't know where they're at, but yeah. I think that church should build an apartment at the end, because on that bluff, there's the, I mean, sit out there on the veranda, watch the ocean, wow. You wouldn't even have to fish. There's plenty of fishermen there. They'll clean it and bring it to you. Just get your wife to clean it or cook it. You know, I'm going to tell you, I like fish. I'm not going fishing with you. I'm going, I went to Spanky's last night. That's good fish. Is that what it is? Spankies. I wanted to spanky my stomach because it kept on taking in. Well, I, I got one other thing I want to mention, and please forgive me. No, you don't have to forgive me. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 24 through 34, Jesus is walking through town. They're bumping up against him. And all of a sudden, he stops. And he turns around. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, there's people all around you. I mean, a bunch of people are bumping into you. He said, no, I felt the touch of faith. And I felt the virtue, that means the power. It's the same word, dunamis, that's in Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive dunamis, you shall receive. He said, I felt the dunamis come out of me and go into somebody. And she said, Lord, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Now here's what I said in my little office the other day at my desk and chair, and when I thought of this and read this, here's what I wanted to say this morning to you. She made a conscious decision, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get, see somebody told her about Jesus. See I heard you sing it, I heard and now I'm free. She said, I don't have to touch him. If I can get to the hymn. Now, probably it was his prayer shawl. 
And those knots, I understand, they, they represent promises and commandments and, and whatever. And she grabbed a promise. Made me think of R.W. Shambaugh. She, she got a promise from God. I can't, I can't do Shambaugh, so quit it. But she grabbed a promise. And here's I'm sitting in my office the other day, and I said, you know what? He asked, who touched me? At Mag Assembly of God Church this morning in heaven, he's going to say, somebody, somebody at Mag is touching me right now. I, I'm touching him. See, May the 12th of 2022, our daughter-in-law, 45 years old, 44, 45, 45 years old, five days on the life support. The doctor said to my son, prepare yourself and prepare your children. You're not taking your wife home. Later, he said, the chances of your wife ever waking up was 0.001. How many of you know that's not good odds? How many of you know that when he took, what was it, five barley loaves and two fish, he could have fed them with a grain of barley and a scale of a fish? Because all it needed was the touch of his hand. And when it touches his hand, I asked him one day, I said, God, why would people give money to us and let us come and, 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 and build churches and help these orphans and, and, and pa help pastors go to Bible college and and, and preach crusades, and I mean, it's two o'clock in the morning, and I'm at the Bible college, laying wide awake. Try, I can hear the ocean not far away, and, and I'm thinking, Lord, why would they do that? And here's what the Lord told me. He said, because they know that I can do a lot more with it than they can. He can take your sack lunch and feed a multitude. He can take your offering and build a church he, and touch a world. Here's, I, this is my point this morning on this last point. Are you going to walk out these doors this morning saying, I touched him. I got through this day. I touched him. An agnostic went to Rodney's church. My son in Oklahoma have two boys that are Pentecostal preachers. Have three boys, two of them Pentecostal preachers and one's a businessman. And uh, the second or the third time he come, Rodney said, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to pray it with me, and if you mean it, it can change your life. And that agnostic, he told me, he said, your son done something nobody's ever been able to do. I said, what did he do? He said, he invited me to church, and I went. I came to his church. He said, the first time I was an agnostic, I was a critic, I didn't like nothing. But he said, I don't know why, but I came back. And the third Sunday when he said that prayer, he come up to my son bawling and squalling, and he said, I, I said that prayer. Something happened in here. One of his friends, 30 days later, called Rodney and said, Pastor, can I come by your office and talk to you? He said, sure, come by. 
they were motorcycle buddies. I don't think there's hell's angels, but they were just stepkids of those people. I don't mean that bad. I, they, were, they were cousins or something, whatever. Anyway, and he walked into Rodney's office and he sat down and he said, I have a question. What happened to my friend when he came to your church the other day? Whatever happened to him, I need it myself. Can I get what he got at your church? You, you can leave this place this morning saying, I touched him. I'd be on your feet with me. Be on your feet with me. Come on. You can leave here saying, I touched him. I touched, I touched him. I touched him. I touched him. See, we're all around in the church. Well, let him touch me. No, no, no. You come touch him. He's here. He's here. There's somebody here, and I don't know who you are. God didn't show me who you are. He just popped in here. There's some of you, you've been abused physically, and I think maybe even sexually. And you've carried that burden and that load, and you've tried to unload it, but it's still there. And if you'll come up here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave here saying, I touched him. In heaven, Jesus is going to say, I feel the virtue. I feel the dunamis. Going to Mag Church this morning. Barbara's brother was a drug addict. I went, he was in the lockup, the nut ward. Not all of those people in there are nuts. Some of them are just full of the devil. And he was full of the devil. He thought everybody's trying to kill him. He thought, you know, it, it's all. And I said, Lord, you got to help me. And I went in there that day and I said, Daryl, I'm going to offer you a way out of all of this mess. Because I said, you see these people over here? They don't know the difference between a, a Frisbee or a pancake. They don't know. Setting that little round table in that lockup unit at the hospital, Daryl began to weep. And he said, I want out of here. I said, okay, you got to get this, this down in here. You got to let it out of you. And only Jesus can do that. And he got saved. And I'll never forget the services on, a, I think, a Sunday evening, I think. But he was sitting right over here about the second or third row. And I heard a, a coyote. He was knelt down back there at his seat. And he come up going, wow! I mean, just a big, loud. And I thought, what in the world? And I turned, and he'd come up out of there talking in tongues. <laughs> you want to touch him this morning? 
that Friday night, I said, we got to touch God for, for my daughter-in-law. And we prayed. We wept in that hospital room. I called you. Had y'all prayed? And on Saturday morning at 7.15, I looked at my phone, and it was a text from my son, Daddy, she's awake, and she's looking at all of us, and she knows us. See, they said her brain's gone. A 24-hour EKG, or EEG. Not anything up there. But when she woke up, We have a son that's Jeff's 47, 48. When he was 11, they said he'll never walk again. And he's in an electric wheelchair. He could walk from here to the glass doors with a walker. But they said he'll never have a 18th, 19th, or 20th birthday. He won't live that long. He's 48. He's got three of my great-grandkids. Because one Sunday morning, we rolled him in a wheelchair to the front of the church. And somebody touched him. Somebody touched Jesus. And Jesus touched my boy. And he's 48. You got a son or a daughter. You come up here and you touch him for them this morning. You got that load that's, that you've been carrying and you can't forgive them people. Come up here. You're going to touch him this morning and he's going to unload you. Said, I thought this was a missionary service. It is. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to get you up here to touch him. And when you touch him, you'll never leave here to be the same again. I've seen drunks be sobered and walk out sober and never touch another drink. This altar call is open. There'll be an offering later. It's time for you to come and unload. Unpack. Let the Holy Spirit unpack you of that stuff. That boss, that daddy, that uncle, that grandpa, that neighbor. That wife, that husband, that mama, that daddy that forsook you. He's going to unpack it this morning. He's going to tell you, I love you. I love you. He's going to wrap you in his arms. Come on. There's more that you ought to be up here. You can touch him today. You can touch him today. Come on. There ought to be more. You can touch him today for your neighbor. You can touch him for your husband. You can touch him for your wife. You can touch him for your son. You can touch him for your daughter. You can touch him for your mama, for your daddy.